Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Roads, Roads on the, on the Air, Air podcast. podcast, where we bring the roundtable organization of abstract discussions at Millersville University to the airwaves right here on 91.7 FM WIXQ The Ville. Radical, renowned, real college radio. But what is Roads? This organization seeks to bring students of various faiths, backgrounds, and experiences together to engage in civil discourse, grow in their spiritual identities, learn from others of differing beliefs, and develop strong relationships through building community. But why is this important for our campus, and how do we get here on WIXQ The Ville? Rhodes wants to create a space for intersectional dialogue, a chance to freely exchange ideas, an opportunity to realize there is way more that unites us than divides us, and ultimately encourage people to go out into the world bringing that open-minded, empathetic perspective and strengthen spiritual identity with them. We are here to present ideas, not to push them, and we want to build bridges between diverse communities to ultimately promote spiritual wellness from an individual level to the community level. We want to build better roads and bridges than PennDOT ever could. So in an effort to continue that mission, Rhodes has struck up a partnership with WIXQ The Ville to take our discussions on the air and bring this content to you wherever you are, whether you're a student, parent, or community member. I'm Josh Marzak. I'm Mark Schell. And I'm Jay Handy. And together we look forward to really diving into these topics throughout this semester, get to the heart of the matter on a range of ideas, bring in some special guests from our community, and maybe you'll even learn something new. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Rhodes, Rhodes on, on the, the Air. air. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to another edition, another episode of Roads on the Air. Afternoon. I'm joined with our wonderful folks. We've got Mark. We've got Jay. Hello. And we've got a special guest. Got a special guest. So let's real quick just introduce ourselves. Um, Jay, you go first this week. Um, I'm Jay Handy. I'm a freshman here at Millersville. Um, what's my fun fact this week? Oh, my favorite color is blue. Okay. Is it just like any blue or like mm. a specific shade of blue? or? I'm more of like a teal or like my top two are teal and uh, like tur- turquoise. Okay. All right. That's respectable. All right, Mark, who are you? I'm Mark. Uh, I'd say a fun fact about me, my favorite color is green. Okay, we're just going to go with colors today. So, Jay stole my favorite color. My favorite color is also teal. Um, It's the blue-green, right? The union of blue and green, right? I never knew that. Um, And we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, Who are you, and where where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Josh. Uh, My name is Brian Wayne. Uh, I went to Millersville. I won't tell you when, but I know it's before two of you were even born. Oh, my. Um, so I only went for one year, studied physics, and then I uh, left Millersville, went into seminary, did a, a number of years in ministry um, with the Catholic Church. I have now been for the last three years a financial planner for a Christian financial planning firm up in Mechanicsburg called Life Guide. Uh, yeah. And I'm excited to, to be part of this conversation. Awesome. Uh, my favorite color is yellow. Yellow. Yeah, usually Ooh, people okay. uh, make fun of me for that, but I It's an interesting choice. It's, it's not a common choice. It's the happiest of colors, <laughs> I feel. So. Oh my. Well, we've got we've got a really cool show planned. I say this every single week. Like if I had a dollar for every time I said that, like but we really do have a really cool show. Um, but just to kind of kick things off, we've got our question of the day. Okay? Mm. Our question of the day is if you were a pro wrestler, what would your entrance theme song be? Like, I don't know if any of you watch WWE, but like, I watched got that it back in the song. day. <laughs> back in the day, what day was that, Jay? Um, 
like Tuesday. Last Thursday. No, no, thank you. Like when it was like when Raw and SmackDown were two like separate things, or like something moved to Wednesday, and it was like like Raw was it was Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, and there was like then I guess something got moved to Sunday, like WWF. That's kind of where I was at. So, what's your entrance theme song if you were in the league? None of those songs. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I don't really have a good one. So fight song. I would probably walk into fight song. I would probably walk into like Kingdom from Maverick City. Oh, okay, okay. I can I can just hear Alexa cheering somewhere out in the ether. We mentioned Maverick City. I know. (laughs) Mark, what about you? What's your entrance theme song? Probably go for uh, "Waking Alive" by Skillet. No, oh. that was such a good. Oh, it's a good option. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, I like the uh, the beat to yeah. it, or I like the uh, I like the rhythm, and I just like how you know it sounds. And besides, it's like came out around two thousand nine, ten, yeah. around that time, so it seems fitting for me. <laughs> I I would be I would I would probably come in at "Hold the Line" by Toto, just because like I'm a classic rock kind of guy. I, I appreciate the the older music compared to what is coming out these days. Why did you look at me when you used the word older? I oh, I, you I wasn't aged. intentionally looking at you. Josh, you just aged yourself by like fifty years. <laughs> okay, first of all, hold the line came out in the eighties. Second of all, mm. hmm. Second of all, I don't know what second of all is. What about you, Brian? All right, I'll, I'm gonna steal the. Uh, the beginning of Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song, mm. the glass shattering. There's nothing more iconic than that. <laughs> but then we're gonna flip into uh, a little bit of Toby Keith, God rest his soul. Oh. How do you like me now? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, now that we've established that we're all gonna have careers in the WWE at some point in the future, um, our topic today is going to be miracles and the unexplained. Miracles and the Unexplained. This has been a topic that we've frequently revisited uh, in our in-person roads discussions uh, during meetings. And so if you had to, like, talk about your first thoughts, what do you want to get out of this conversation today? What are some questions that you hope will get answered? What are what are the what's the first things that you think about when you think of the topic miracles? I mean, I know the Catholic Church believes in miracles, but I'm kind of wondering, um, kind of wondering how they determine, you know, what is and what is not a legitimate miracle, because I guess uh, they don't maybe take that stuff too lightly. Mm. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective. I personally, I think that miracles are not objectively good in the flesh, in the sense that we may not experience a miracle in the sense of like God answering a prayer and giving us what we want. Um, and I think that like, and thank you to ev- all of y'all who helped me with the definition of a miracle, like based off of like some information that I gave, but, um, a miracle is basically like when God acts, it's his presence or him, an action that he does in general for me. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, kind of examining this topic from multiple angles because I feel like you can you can look at this from 
a variety of different perspectives. Um, there's there's scientific miracles, there's spiritual miracles, and it all comes down to how we define them. So I, I, when we get into our questions, we're going to look at like how to define a miracle. We're going to look at the purpose of miracles. I mean, there's a lot of different angles we're going to look at it, and I'm excited to see where that goes. What about you, Brian? What's your what's your first thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, whenever any, anyone asks me for, like, a first thought about something, um, I go back to Aristotle. And that's because I have an f- uh, undergrad in philosophy, so I apologize ahead of time. Um, but Aristotle would always say that the, the final cause is the first cause chronologically. And what he means by that is usually the, the reason for why something exists is the first thing that causes something to exist. Um, think of any inventor, right? The inventor thinks of the problem that needs to be fixed before they actually think of what to to make. Um, and so in terms of miracles, I think of the why, like the purpose. Like what's the, what is the actual purpose for this miracle? Um, and so I'm hoping like the questions we get to work through today is, you know, if miracles exist, then why? And if God can do miracles, then why not? Like why doesn't he do some of them? Um, I think kind of exploring both those both those questions are going to be very impactful during this this time. Yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely some areas where we're gonna where we're gonna get into that. Um, what's probably like one of the questions that you're looking to get answered? Like, if you have burning questions about miracles, what do you mm. what do you want answered out of this conversation? That's a good question. What like set of um qualifications or like what uh how do the catholics essentially or how do catholics essentially um determine what a miracle is like what parameters does it have to meet or like what qualifications does it have to meet you know to be considered a legitimate you know canonical miracle in uh you know for um or canon for them essentially well, I guess it's good that we have a resident Catholic expert on the Ooh. on the podcast. Today. I'm impressed you threw the word canonical out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> canonical for for the listeners. Uh, um, canon is it's just the Latin word for law, and so it's how do you legally define basically what, um, like how do you go through a legal process to define what a miracle is? That's the canonical. Canonical. Yeah. Well the done. SAT word. Yeah, yeah. When I think of canon, I think of Star Wars or like fandom or something. So it's like what is considered what is considered like true, like what actually happened in like a fictional world versus like what is just like a legend, you know? So oh it's, my goodness. Yeah. Like in every alternate universe in the Avatar The Last Airbender series, yes. the cabbage merchant is always mm-hmm. canon. Like he's always there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. maybe Harry Potter. Oh my god. Avatar yes. maybe. Oh, yeah. That's great connections there. Oh yeah, well done. Oh Thank yeah, you. Jay. What about you? What are some What are some questions you want answered today? Um, I don't know if this will be answered or if there is even an answer. But like, does the way we experience uh, miracles define if we consider it a miracle on a personal basis, and how that is compared to like if I was to look at a general sense of like, okay, so my experience with miracle could be different and I can define it as a miracle but you not see it as a miracle looking from the outside in yeah that's an interesting way to think about it I actually think we will get to that okay in a a later block I I do yeah because like you could have a situation where someone is experiencing like something that's comparatively small 
right? Like to someone else. But then you experience it as like, wow, that's a really huge thing. And I think when we get into talking about examples of miracles, we're definitely going to touch on that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. Well, ultimately, it comes down to uh, a commercial break. And then when we come back, we will go into our first set of questions. We've got a lot of questions today, but I think we'll, I think we'll get to, to everything. There's definitely some, there's, there's lots of lands that we will discover today in this topic. But when we come back, we'll, we'll dive into our first series of questions and yeah, join us back in a few. Welcome back. Uh, this is Brian. I'm jumping in for Josh since he decided to cut me off before the break. Um, <laughs> we were talking about questions that we want to get answered. And, you know, I, I do want the why questions that we that I mentioned before. You know, why do miracles and why not sometimes? But I really am. Uh, it excites me to be talking with um, you all from from a different generation from me, um, learning about miracles at a different time in your life than you know where I am at right now and uh, kind of my question that I really wouldn't get answered is just like how how you've experienced it how you like how, how it affects you as well um, that's a really yeah. good question I think in order to get to that realm we should start at the beginning we should start with defining what is a miracle and that's what we're going to look at this block what do you define as a miracle and what does your spiritual identity like your faith define as a miracle that's interesting yeah who wants to take this one uh i mean i'll, I'll, I'll handle it um so uh, i'd say a miracle is like a supernatural initiated phenomenon usually it has a positive outcome or at least that's what it's generally attributed to but i think it could either it could be either good or bad, but we generally attribute it to being positive. Okay. Yeah. Um, I said it's not always an action. Like, it's not always, like... Yeah, it's not always an action. Um, and that it's something that's really, really hard to, like, describe or, like, explain by definition. So, like, it's, there's, it's like how someone can wake up from a coma after 10 years and there be an explanation by science of your brain recovered... Or it's a miracle. But, like, I feel like miracles that I've experienced are, like, things that there's no way to, like, explain it. And it makes sense without including the fact that, like, that was a place that I was in and God brought me out of it. Mm, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to note, especially, like, I was... I wasn't always Catholic my whole life. Like, I was raised uh, predominantly, like, non-denominational Christian. Like, I was baptized Catholic, but I didn't really, like practice until I was confirmed my junior year of high school. And so like I had a lot of exposure to non-denominational Protestant ideas and going to a non-denom church um, and like watching the televangelists on the TV oh gosh, not, not growing all. up. Oh, um, okay. And not all of them are, I'm not going to hate on all of them. Like they're not all bad. Um, just, some of them. just just a few of them are questionable. But uh, when it comes to like miracles from a Catholic perspective, it's definitely a, a much more like almost formalized, like scientific process of d determining what is a miracle in canon. a sense. Like, what is canon? A canonical, canon. <laughs> canonical miracle. But like when you think of it from a 
non-denominational, like charismatic Pentecostal miracles. Like there's all these crusades and there's these healing events where people get like limbs regrown and people brought back from the dead and hearing restored and all of these like really like flashy miracles. Right. But it's also important to note that not every miracle is flashy. Not every miracle is going to be broadcast to millions of people at once. Um, Sometimes a miracle is, you know it and you know it alone, right? It's something very, very personal. So I would say from my definition of a miracle, like it can be different categories of miracles. There is the really personal ones and then there's the, the really big ones. Like there's different sizes of miracles too. I think that's, that's an idea we can explore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels like there's a sense of there's kind of your common miracles that in a sense like everybody's experiencing all the time like you might think the the miracle of of the fact that life exists and it right that's like an existential miracle yeah right? or or creation the people go out and they go out in the world and they're like man this is the the overwhelming feeling of beauty or like how a mother can look at their their child uh, newborn infant and be like this is a miracle like my love is so overwhelming it's so overpowering like there's something miraculous about this but they're so common events mm. right and then there can be those uncommon miracles where uh, like the turning of water into wine walking on water like the Jesus miracles as well as right someone's healed um, miraculously you know uh, those kind of like one time events uh, we kind of I feel like we use the word miracle um, for both of those. But I think today we're going to, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like we're going to talk more about kind of those uncommon one-time type of event, um, extraordinary type miracles. I yeah. mean, we could definitely talk about the more common things if you wanted to. I, I definitely agree with that notion of like, sometimes the simplest things you can view as a miracle, mm. right? Like literally the miracle of life, like just seeing a child or... Uh, just understanding creation the beauty of like look at a flower like god made that like look yeah. at a sunset god made that right like last week we were talking about creation and the origin of the universe and um we kind of came to a consensus that there was like intelligent design to all of it right but that intelligent design is so exquisite it's almost miraculous in its identity mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think there's like a line of like, I feel like something can be a miracle while also being like, mm, yeah, going back to like everyday miracles, like things that, that happen that like sometimes are overlooked. Like, I think that there are some miracles that are overlooked in the sense of like, they're not this big dramatic thing or an event, um, and it's kind of taken for granted, but yeah. What's what's yeah. A, a catechetical definition of miracles, Brian? All right. Oh, you want me to pull out the catechism of the, oh, yes. the Catholic Church? Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so miracles, as the church defines it, are signs and wonders. So, uh, think of like a healing, control of nature uh, that is attributed to divine power. So... Uh, think of those two words. Right? It's a sign. It's a wonder. 
So it's a sign, and so far, signs point us to something. So the miracles didn't exist in and of themselves for their own purpose, but they existed to point to something else. So when Jesus was going around healing, it was to point to his divine power. Right? It was to teach a lesson. So every miracle is, is teaching us something. It's pointing us in some direction as a sign. And then that idea of wonder, um, Jay was kind of talking about the kind of the inexplicable nature of yeah. certain things. Wonder is the sense like, hey, though I might be able to come up with some kind of explanation for this, there's, there's, there's still a gap. There's still a sense like, hey, there's something inexplicable um, in some part to this event. Um, and I think the, the, the way that we're, we'll get into, as, as Mark was asking the question, of like, how do we canonically define a miracle? Um, you know, we accept that there are many miracles and then we canonically define certain things that are inexplicable in every possible way. Um, but I think of, yeah, let's define it by sign and by wonder that it is both pointing to something, but there's an inexplicable nature to it. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of touched on this, like, in our in our restaurant conversation before this. Every week we go to the restaurant and then we prepare our talk and we go over some, some points that we want to hit. Um, we were thinking of, like, the official process of verifying, at least from a Catholic perspective, like, are you able to summarize a little bit for people who don't know how the church, like, verifies a miracle? For sure. Um, maybe I can use the example of uh, um, of Lourdes. So okay. there, there's a town in Lourdes in France, and back in the 1850s, I believe it was 1858, um, there was this little girl, Bernadette, um, who kept failing her catechism classes, so wasn't a really bright girl at all. Wanted to hang out with her siblings one one day, uh, and you know, like any like any good older sister, um, she kind of like kept pushing Bernadette aside, um, and so Bernadette was kind of left alone when her sister and her friends ran off to to hang out, um, and so they left her at this this grotto, um, and in this grotto outside this town of Lords, it was really the kind of the trash dump. Um, where people would dump their their garbage, uh, and so you can imagine this poor little girl, uh, not really brilliant but also lonely. Uh, Mary, the the mother of Jesus, appears to her, um, and she appeared to her a couple times and would pray the rosary with her. But then she asked her to start digging oh. into this trash heap, uh, and Bernadette started digging, and people from the town thought this girl was nuts, um, right? You. <laughs> You know, if Josh went and was like, God told me to go dig into the landfill, and he breaks into the local landfill and starts digging through the trash to get into the dirt. People um, would form some opinions. Yeah, yeah. And, and Josh like, God told me. He told me. This is like, vaguely right. reminding me of the uh, the story of Joseph Smith and the gold tablets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so Bernadette, she starts digging. And as she's digging, and you can imagine a little girl that can't really dig that deep, yeah. but she hits a, a spring of water. So one, it's probably miraculous insofar as she only dug like a foot down and the spring of water started started coming. Um, and from this spring of water, um, it just started flowing. And, and most people didn't know right, that this water was special in any way, but um, eventually someone who's blind, it was like a couple weeks later, goes to this grotto, accidentally washes in this water while he washes his face, and then the next day he wakes up able to see. And so now people are like, whoa, this water... This spring that this little girl 
you know, dug and found um, has this miraculous quality to it. And it wasn't very long at all before people started flocking there. Miracles started becoming associated with it. If you go to Lourdes now, it's no longer a little podunk town. It's It's been built up. There's a beautiful church. They have these baths that have been set up holding the spring water now. And you can go and you can bathe in these baths. And so for 150-some years, pilgrims have been going to Lourdes and... There, if you go to one of the churches, there are uh, along the wall a whole, a whole uh, array of crutches and wheelchairs. People who came sick and needed healing, and then left miraculously healed. Now there have been so many thousands of people healing. I promise I'm getting to the the answer to the question here. Um, there have been so many thousands of healings that people have felt there. Um, tons of them spiritual, but there's also been a lot of physical healings that in Lourdes they set up um, what they call the International Medical Committee of Lourdes. Um, it's a, a committee of medical experts who take all of these, like whenever someone feels like they had a cure, a miraculous cure, um, they will do a, kind of an analysis of it. Um, and so they follow from their medical expertise certain, uh, certain requirements. So I just want to read here some of the criteria. So the first criteria they look for is that the diagnosis of the illness was first established and correctly diagnosed, meaning the person at one point goes to, um, goes to their doctor, sees their doctor, and the doctor says, like, like, no, for sure you have, say, cancer. You have cancer. It's a proven fact. We have the x-rays. We have the, everything to prove it. The second requirement is that the prognosis must be permanent and terminal, meaning uh, that this, what you have, like there's no other ways for this thing to be cured. It's beyond cure. Um, So you've had it medically diagnosed. It was beyond cure. And then uh, the third requirement is that the cure is immediate. It's complete and lasting, meaning like it's not like you had cancer then you went to lords and then you know over the course of the next year you slowly got better like to be certified it has to be immediate meaning you didn't have it or you have it now you don't have it it's gone completely and then they make sure that it's lasting right so they don't it's not like it you know it's gone for a day but it's we're going to hold out for a few years um and it's a lasting cure um and then that finally is that there's no other treatments one was going through at the time that could explain for the cure. Um, so it's so you know if someone's going through radiation treatments while they also go to Lourdes and then they're miraculously cured um, because they're going through radiation treatments they won't say hey this is a certified miracle. Um, so it's it's this process, very detailed process, um, where they. Uh, yeah, use medical experts to make sure that, hey, this was definitely a disease you had before, it was terminal, and you there's no other things that you were doing that could explain this cure that came immediately and is lasting now. Um, and so there's been, I think up to now, about 67 of those inexplicable, medically defined miracles of Lourdes. Um, but of the thousands upon thousands, I mean, there could be more. They, they just, other ones just get thrown out from the get-go because, hey, you're doing other kinds of treatments as well. Um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I like that they uh, they put it through sort of a test or that they tested. You know, they're not just taking everything, you know, for word that other people say. Because, you know, if we do that, we could, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's it's kind of scary, like, how many people may think something's a miracle, but it just turns out that there is a scientific, mm-hmm. you know, thing behind it. So at least, um, you know, at least the Catholic Church, they, you know, they put it through a test to make sure. Yeah, it's interesting, like, testing as the terminology um like i i i'm kind of reminded of the story of gideon right where he kind of tested this tested god's providence and promise you know with the fleece um and seeing if the fleece was dry or wet overnight with the dew um i i think maybe that kind of same principle is like applied like there is this this scientific process of kind of almost testing this instance um what about you jay what what are your thoughts on that um i think it's similar to like what i felt about the creation narrative i think like i think we can use both like a scientific way to explain for us to understand like i think it doesn't make it less of a miracle and the same way like i don't think that evolution makes god's creation less true i believe that they are both true and god created the world and evolution is the explanation of why everything makes sense like i think that i feel kind of the same way of like it's still a miracle nonetheless of the fact that like like that is still true it's just that now you can understand like you can understand why it's like actually categorized as a miracle versus like well it could be a miracle or it could be medical treatment like i think that is an interesting like give or take kind of thing yeah yeah um we are we're coming up on a break um oh wait no okay sorry no go ahead go ahead you're waiting do we have time for a break or we do have time time. time. okay great great um i just wanted to share you know i talked about the the process by which we make something a canonical miracle or define something as like, hey, this is a miracle. But just like Jay was saying that this isn't, we don't say anything else is not a miracle. We just say, hey, we're proving by science that this is inexplicable. Um, So just as an example, one of the most recent ones from Lourdes, um, it was a guy um, named Jean-Pierre Bellet. He was a Frenchman. He was paralyzed by multiple sclerosis. Mm. so he, uh, he he was he went to his French healthcare system. He was a total invalid by the time that he went on his pilgrimage to Lourdes. Um, he went at age 51. Um, again, this was a few years ago. Uh, those who accompanied Belay did not think he would survive even the trip. Yeah. At the end of the pilgrimage, he received the anointing of the, sh- of the sick in the shrines um, in the church that's that's built there. When he returned home, he was already able to walk. So that sense of it, something immediate happening. Yeah. Um, and today, virtually all traces of the illness have disappeared. Right? So he had multiple sclerosis for years upon years. He That's couldn't move, wild. went to Lourdes, and by the time he was home, he was walking again. Uh, there was a, And so what they did is they, they sent him to his physician, who was agnostic, and Ooh. basically asked the agnostic physician to try to explain what happened. Right, and the the physician came back that there's no scientific explanation for how this occurred, um, and so it was eventually deemed one of those one of those 67 or the most recent of those 67 certified miracles. 
I think that's really interesting because MS is something that is really it's brain function like it's damage to your brain and, and it's also terminal like yeah, there's like no I, yeah, cure like, for it like there's no it's a real, serious like illness. you can't treat it to stop the like there's nothing it's like you can treat cancer with chemo and mm-hmm. and try to make it go away right but like that is something that is like it's not going to go away and like you're going to decline and the chances of you gaining back that function is like I think less than one percent of people with treatment, mm-hmm. like with medications to manage it. Not even like not so, even cure it, right? Not even cure it. It's just to manage your symptoms. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty like that's really compelling because that's such a a serious terminal. Like it's just gonna progress. Like that's super interesting. Yeah, I mean we're gonna take a quick commercial, but when we come back. Uh, We've got more questions to dive into, maybe some more examples of miracles and just looking at how we can apply the definitions that we just made to to these events that are seemingly unexplained. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Jacob Marino, the director of The Hub at Millersville University. And I'm Vicki Weber, the assistant director. So what is The Hub? Some of you may know or have been to one of its free meals or events, but for those of you who don't know, The Hub is an independent nonprofit mission partnered with Millersville University that serves students in many ways, but ultimately is a space for mind, body, heart, and soul. The Hub offers a variety of spaces to study, meet new people, hang out, play board games and video games, or grab a quick cup of coffee to go. In addition, there are free meals hosted there throughout the week, like free lunches held from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday, French Toast Friday from 9 p.m. to midnight, and a few other opportunities throughout the week you should definitely keep an eye out for. The other main support measure for students in need is the Campus Cupboard, a self-service food pantry for students experiencing food insecurity of any kind. Food insecurity is a real threat on college campuses, and a survey conducted in 2019 showed that almost one-third of college students are food insecure or near food insecure. The Hub and its Campus Cupboard seek to fight against that statistic by providing non-perishable food, fresh produce, and even basic hygiene products that are free to all current Millersville University students. We also have a variety of other services such as professional clothing available for internships and interviews, a crisis fund for students experiencing significant emergencies, and an awesome opportunity for volunteer service hours and federal work-study positions as well. So if you ever want to check out The Hub, we're open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the A-Frame building on George Street. You can also connect with us on social media at hub at MU. Come see for yourself and experience how we continue our mission of loving students, meeting needs, and building community on this campus. And we're back. We're back after that short break. Just heard a little bit about the hub. And now we're diving into some more questions that we have on this topic of miracles and unexplained events. And so we just spent the last block kind of defining what a miracle is. We heard about official processes that the Catholic Church specifically uses in verifying miracles. And now we're going to look at more examples, right? Like, let's ask questions about, are there seemingly impossible events in the world, right? Has, have any of you experienced something that you can't explain or, you know, discuss by conventional knowledge? I mean, I just say the fact that, you know, we're here, you know, we're still here. But that we're just here at all is a miracle in and of itself. I mean, how many, you know, disastrous, you know, 
apocalyptic type scenarios have uh, we as humans, you know, lived through the the Ice Age, the Black Death, the I don't know, Cuban the cold, Missile Crisis, Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> yeah, well, no, seriously, nuclear war. So there's the fact that we haven't, you know, all frozen or you know died of disease or blown ourselves up. Like just the fact that we're still here is, like I said, a miracle in and of itself. But the fact that we're here at all, like to begin with, is also like. Because think about it, I mean, like, you know, Earth is the only known, uh, only known, like, planet in that we know about that is able to sustain life. Like, you know, we're... And uh, we're not treating it the best, are we? Mm, no, <laughs> yeah. we're not. I mean, we're, we're far enough from the sun that, you know, we're not gonna, you know, burn, but we're not, you know, close enough, or sorry, we're, um, uh, we're not, like, too far out that we're gonna freeze, so, you know, we got the ozone layer, we got... You know, fresh water, so, you know, the fact that it's the only place we know that can sustain life right now is, again, I mean, just, you know, what are the odds? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As I said, I was a physics major when I was in in college here. I wanted to go into astrophysics. My my dream was to be, be on the the hunt for Earth-like planets. So I like to follow follow that search a lot. And, yeah, it used to be like, hey, if all you have to do is find a planet of a certain size in the Goldilocks zone, right? Not too close, not too far from the from its heat source um, with water, and it would probably have life on. And as science has progressed, the odds that life develops get smaller and smaller because they start realizing, like, oh, no, no, you need you need, like, an atmosphere, and then you need a particular combination of of carbon and nitrogen and all, all kinds of things now go the into... The recipe is getting longer and longer correct. as they yeah. discover what's actually necessary for this thing to work. Yeah. And what so, are the odds of that happening for Earth if it wasn't intentional? Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. And like he the Big Bang Theory, away. the way we learn about that, like... the <laughs> It goes from like a one in a hundred chance or an inevitable chance, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, one in a million, to one in a billion chance now. Like... It's like when, how how small do the odds have to be before you say, hey, this is a miracle? Right? Yeah. yeah. Some people are like, hey, it was a one in a million chance. It was probably a miracle, but you know, but not the Earth, but not creation. That's not a miracle, even though that was a one in a billion chance. Yeah. You know. I mean, there's definitely a lot of examples of wild, crazy things <laughs> that have happened. Um, I mean, we've got a long history of. Like, like what you were describing with Lords, right? That's just one of so many stories, especially from the Saints. Um, and I definitely want to pick your brain of a few more. Mm. But I think one that really stands out to me is the miracle of the Bible, right? And so mm. what I mean by that is this book was written thousands of years ago and then compiled together by tradition in the early church and you know passed down orally and then written down and it was like this book has human authors but also divine inspiration and a divine author as well and so the miracle of that in and of itself is crazy to think about and we could talk for hours and hours on that but what I believe is the miracle of the Bible is like someone say we've got grandma Esther and she's like 94 years old and she's been a very devoted Christian her entire life and she's been reading the Bible since she could walk right and so she'll read a passage when she was a child and she will take information and inspiration and meaning from that passage and she'll read that same passage when she's 94 and she'll get something different from it it is the same words 
the book didn't change. But God is able to speak through that book to Grandma Esther, uh, and she was able to get something else. I honestly think that's a miracle mm. because, like, you know, you don't get the same experience by reading the Lord of the Rings books, great as they are, but they're the same words, right? They're, it's just a book, right? And yeah, maybe the second time you read it, okay, maybe you see a different detail, but like, if you read it a hundred times, it's not going to have that same impact as this living book, this book that's like alive in a way. Does that make sense? Or is yeah. that like... The yeah. word of God is living and effective, yeah. cutting like a two-edged sword. Isaiah. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you said Lord of the Rings, though, is just a book. Okay, I don't mean it's like just, like it is, it is, it is, uh, what do they call it? A God among men when you compare them to other no. books. Oh, but okay. like, okay. like, I'm not saying the book is the God. I'm just no, saying like just in the category of no, like, yes, it's in the higher that. category of books. But like, here's Lord of the Rings. Here's the Twilight books. You did not. And then no, there's the Bible, you. right? My arm's not long. Yeah, yet. I was going to say, Josh is doing hand motions for the radio. Say, yeah. <laughs> for those who can't see him, he just put the Twilight books way, way, Below way, the way, floor. way under the floor. No, I stand by what I said. You can quote me for the snapper. Let the record show that I said the Twilight books are trash. But anyway. No, this is... thank you. <laughs> no. Um, so, like, in my life, I think that I have experienced miracles. Um, I've known people that have experienced miracles. Um, my brother uh, ha has experienced a miracle. Um, he was on a highway. It was really, really... Re it's a really busy highway. Um, and it was dark. It was late at night. Um, and he was just driving. He was going the speed limit. But then all of a sudden, like, he sees movement in the street. Um, and he cannot see what it is because there's not really many street lights. Um, and there were people playing leapfrog in the, like, in the lane of all of the, like, lanes of the highway that he was driving on. So he was, he uh, crossed the highway. He crossed the very busy highway. Um, so that he didn't hit those people. Um, and everyone walked away from that situation um, unharmed. And so that I, I categorize that as a miracle because that's a busy highway that was clear for him to cross safely. Um, like he switched into the other lane, like, like the switched, oncoming lane. Like he switched into the oncoming traffic lane and there was no traffic on a busy highway. So, yeah. I think that's something um, I know people who struggle with um, drug addiction um, and have come out on the other side um, and are living a life and they're like they have a kid um, and they're living life and they're in recovery and God saved their life or someone that I know personally my aunt um, she had a brain aneurysm but she struggles with drug addiction and the thing that I thought would have, I didn't think she was going to make it. Nobody thought she was going to make it because of how weak her body was from her, from her habits um, and her lifestyle. But God saved her and she hasn't used since. Mm. And this was last year in March. Um, and she hasn't used since. And now she's wow. almost a year sober. Oh, praise God. And nobody thought she was going to make it and we were all like you know biting our tongues and like tiptoeing and now she's back to who she used to be 20 30 years ago and i'm rediscovering my aunt as a person because i've only known her 
in her lifestyle. And so mm-hmm. I think that is, and it's brought us closer to each other. And I think that is a miracle. Um, I think that she, I think God bringing her out of that was like, God does still care and God does still see me regardless of my lifestyle. And she's leaned into that and I'm so happy for her. Um, and yeah, but I, I consider those things to be miracles because what else is there to explain like why everything happened the way it did? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, you've got, I, I think you've got a really interesting story. Um, definitely one that I haven't, uh, heard before the, the Eucharistic miracle. Um, hmm. can you explain what that is? Um, and also like the, the story of what happened at, what is it? Lanciano? How Lanciano. Lanciano. It could be Lanciano. Lanciano. Um, it's, it's Italian. I, <laughs> I don't speak Italian, but I try my, my free time. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you as you said, that like there are so many miracles throughout the history of the church, but this is one I just find so fascinating. Um, so Lanciano is a town in Italy, and it's named after. Um, it, it's called the town of the Lance because the idea is Saint Longinus, who is the Roman centurion who pierced the side of Christ with his lance. Oh. That was that's this is the town that he came from. So it's known as the town of the Lance because that's where this centurion came from. And this was about 1,200 years ago. There, there was a priest who was doubting the, the, the faith in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So part of our Catholic faith is that we believe that the, when the Eucharist is consecrated by the priest at Mass, that it becomes the body and blood of Jesus. Not just a symbol, but it becomes the actual body and blood. And so this priest was, was doubtful in terms of his faith. And so when he said those words of consecration, the host, which is the the bread, and the wine changed not just in a spiritual sense, but physically became flesh and blood. So it's it's seen as this Eucharistic miracle. Um, What's been fascinating, though, with this miracle, you can go to Lanciano today and the... They still have the host that turned into flesh, and they still have the um, the wine that turned into blood. And you can they, they have them in a little reliquary uh, you can actually see. And they've done a whole number of different little scientific experiments with this over the years to just kind of show the the miracle behind it. Um, One of the interesting ones is that when the wine became blood, it coagulated into five drops of blood. And no matter how many droplets you um, weigh together, it'll always equal the amount of the other. So if you take two droplets and you weigh them, it'll weigh the same as the other three. If you take four droplets, it'll weigh the same as one other one. It doesn't matter the combination you use. Um, they will always weigh the same, which is just a, a really cool little miracle behind it. Um, huh. But the w- the scientific kind of process of really exploring this miracle happened back in 1970. Um, they went to the... Uh, I'm going to get their names wrong. Re- you know, screwed up again because they're they're Italian. But uh, two doctors who were experts in their field, Odo Ardo Linoli, he was the head physician of, of all the hospitals in Italy, and then Dr. Ruggiero Bertelli, 
He was the Professor Emeritus of Human Anatomy um, at the University of Siena. So these guys who have right a, a pretty good pretty good backing in terms of their medical and scientific abilities so they did so they were given the the miracle and they were told to just examine it and and share their resources um and so one of the first things that came back was that this piece of flesh was uh um, the myocardium of the human heart so it was kind of a a slice of the human heart they could see the ventrials and, and the various components of the heart um so one of the miracles is the fact that they realize like the the capacity or the ability to even slice the human heart in such a way didn't even exist hundreds of years ago. So it, one, it's just a miracle that a slice of the my, myocardium exists like that. Um, they they tested the proteins in the blood, and the pro it came back that these the proteins that are in the blood are those that are in living living blood and living flesh like usually in the moment you die and your blood kind of leaves you the these proteins die off but they found that the proteins of living blood were in it and not just any blood but the blood of someone who is in intense agony or suffering um so and we'll say now like it's fascinating like this is 1200 years like this is human flesh from 1200 years ago how does it still exist? Correct. And, right? Like, and they break they, down? Correct. So they found that there was no even hermetical sealing. There, there was nothing to make preserve. the... Yeah, pres- there were no preservatives or chemicals found in the, in the blood or in the flesh. Mm. Right? So they're like, hey, this shouldn't even exist now. But yet it survived, and it survived as if it were still alive. Did they... But yet like, in agony. Did they test, like, the, the blood type or, like... Do they, they know whose it is? They like, did. Do they um, cross-reference the databases? They, they did uh, um, test the blood type. And it, interestingly, I'll tell you what it is in a second, but interestingly, this isn't the only Eucharistic miracle in the life of the church. There's been a f- hundreds of them. And they have tested the blood of other Eucharistic miracles that have happened over the centuries. So from even before blood types were a thing, they could still yeah. like kind of say, like, hey, the, this blood has these particular properties. That now we can say, oh, that means it's type this, right? Type A has a certain quality to it. So what's fascinating is every Eucharistic miracle comes back with the same blood type. Shut up. No way. And it's uh, AB positive. That's... It's the rarest of blood types. Yeah, Isn't that the say. universal receiver? It is the universal yeah. receiver. Um, it is point zero zero three percent or something of people have AB positive. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's powerful that, yeah, Jesus, the, the son of God, his blood is the one that can receive. Like, he is the receiver. He's the one who, who wants all of us, right? That's so That's deep. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, I could talk about this all day. I think we all could. Um, It is the top of the hour, so we're going to run to a quick commercial, but we'll be right back after this talking more about miracles and unexplained events and more cool stories just like this right after this. All right, we are back after a really awesome segment. I, like, so thoroughly enjoyed that segment. That's just mind-blowing, that story. Um, If you're just tuning in, we're on 91.7 FM, WIXQ The Ville. This is the Roads on the Air podcast. We're talking about miracles and unexplained events. 
And for this block, we're really going to, I mean, we could talk more about examples um, for the entire episode. Uh, but I definitely think there's, in this question, I think, Mark, you're the one who came up with this question uh, for this block, was, are we more rational about unexplained events in the 21st century than in previous centuries? How have things changed and why have things changed? Um, and kind of like a little bit of a follow-up uh, to that thought is like, can miracles still exist in the era of science and enlightenment? Like, are there still things that we can't explain, even though science has advanced? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, 100%, you know, like, I I mean, we have the scientific revolution and enlightenment to, you know, thank for, I guess, the, the more skeptical approach of things. Um, I mean, just look at the dispute between people who read the, the Bible literally and those, you know, who read it, see it more as an allegory. Um, I feel like we read the Bible from the, or like, I don't know, I feel like we read the Bible in like a modern lens, essentially, that's more like interested in hardcore facts and, you know, science rather than the lens of like, you know, maybe ancient Israel, who would have been you know, just more interested in, like, the bigger questions, like, like, truthfully, like, as, like, I'm non-denominational, but, you know, I have more of a Protestant-leaning theology, so, you know, when you were telling that story, like, I, I don't know, I was kind of, I was kind of, uh, I don't know, hesitant to believe, you know, the, I, w I was a bit skeptical of it, or I was a bit hesitant to, you know, believe it fully, because, you know, from my personal, like, non-catholic belief you know it's that the the eucharist is more symbolic mm -hmm. uh rather than literal you know human flesh and blood uh but that's just like i mean that's just from a different perspective but like in terms of actual like um in terms of actual like are we more skeptical about things or do we try to rationalize things especially nowadays like i would say yeah you know like uh i mean look at deism you know the the idea that god is a watchmaker you know he made the watch he's he's just kind of observing it you know looking at his creation not really you know interacting with it too much i mean you know i'd say uh if we weren't as rational i mean if we didn't if we didn't look at things, if we didn't try to look at things rationally, I don't think we would have had deism, you know, around, you know, the 1700s or so. So, uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd definitely say that, um, and just like with the, you know, the rise, you know, of, uh, modern, like, I guess, technology and understanding of, you know, the world around us and, you know, maybe, uh, biology and stuff, like, yeah, I think, uh, I think, Oh, what is it called? It's like uh, natural theology, like trying to observe God in his creation. Um, you know, I think that's a, uh, a thing that has risen or a, uh, a practice that has risen uh, in practice over the years. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely say that we try to look at things more rationally than maybe in the past. Yeah, I, I think science has come a long way in helping us understand, like with enlightenment and with advances scientifically in medicine. I, I mean, there's things that in the 1300s, people would be like, well, that was a miracle. They were cured of said illness, and that was a miracle. And then we invented antibiotics, and now you can fix that on any ordinary Tuesday with amoxicillin, right? But... I, I still think there's always, like, no matter how far we advance as a civilization, there's always going to be things that are outside of our capabilities. There's always going to be room to grow. Like what we were talking about last week, 
um, Jay, with like the the science of understanding creation and how they're not exclusive. God gave us science, right? God gave us an intellect to understand His creation. It's a gift. Um, some might even call it a miracle of our uh, the intelligence that He has given us to understand what He made. But we're very finite beings. We are never going to understand everything that God has done or is doing or is thinking about or is working or is planning. Our heads would explode. <laughs> we do also live we do also live in, you know, uh you know, I guess some people would say, you know, we live in a fallen world, so our understanding is like very you know, we're not always the best at understanding things, I guess. So uh I mean there is also that, but I think it, you know, would be you know, wrong to say that God doesn't want us to use, like, discernment or, you know, use intellect that he gave us, essentially. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because, like, I was saying earlier today that, like, God doesn't give us everything that he's doing or that he's thinking or that he's planning because I don't believe that humans and even, like, the best of humans have the, like, capacity to understand it, accept it, and, and like, you know, comprehend it. Like, I think it's so much bigger than just, like, what humans can take, right? Um, and I, I feel like sometimes as Christians, um, well, I'll say for me, I know as a Christian, sometimes I'm willing to negotiate parts of the truth of miracles away to bring it back into play. I feel like I'm okay. Can you explain that a little bit, that, like, what you just said? Yeah, I'm so, curious. like, a miracle could happen to someone, and I'm willing for them to say it's fate. And we go through the whole circle of fate to then, and take the miracle aspect out of it, and go through the circle of fate to come back to the point of, there's no answer, even with just saying fate. Like, coming back to the, the thing of, it is a miracle, because there's no like you can say there's all these possibilities and have the conversation about it but like a lot of things come down to it's a miracle so i'm willing to negotiate away the fact that you know okay you don't think it's a miracle i'm willing to listen and understand to walk you through back to the point of that's a miracle hmm yeah yeah i i I think it's interesting because you can also you can also look at it from a lens of like there's a lot of history with this, right? Hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. If we look at the miracles in the Bible, right? Moses parting the Red Sea, or like the I'm trying to think of other non-Jesus miracles where it was just like the ordinary, quote unquote, ordinary characters of the Bible, um, like. Oh, oh man, the, the, the manna, the manna in the desert, yeah. right? Like the, the water from the rock, and water, the, the quail, the yeah, the quail. I mean, like there's Balaam's donkey, uh, the talking donkey. Yes, even I, the plagues, the plagues of yeah. Egypt. Oh yeah, the plagues. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of like miracles that happen in the Bible. These big, big, big things, right? We don't necessarily see people splitting the Red Sea today, right? So I would actually be curious, like. Do we have the same kind of miracles today that we did in the Bible? Um, and that's that's if you take the approach of looking at it literally, right, of what happened in the Bible literally. But just assuming for this, like, thought experiment. Oh, you're raising your hand, Brian. Yeah, well, 
So I, I was watching, I think it was the History Channel, one of those channels that love to, like, they're like, the miracles of the Bible explained, right? <laughs> um, and I watched an episode on, like, the plagues and the, the parting of the Red Sea. And it, it's fascinating because it, it seeks to explain the miracles just kind of, kind of according to science, right? So we're talking about science and really putting miracles under the lens of, like, a, uh, like the scientific method, like using the scientific method to prove miracles, which, which you mentioned, like the 1300s, like Thomas Aquinas, Albert the Great, like those. Right, Thomas Aquinas' very first question of his big Summa Theologica, his summary of all theology, was: Is theology a science? Right, can it be put under the scientific method that the Church invented, you know, in the Middle Ages? Uh, and his answer was: Yes, like we can, we can come to know God through a scientific process. Mm. But. Back to this miracle of the Red Sea. So the History Channel was describing that, oh, there are these times when a huge, 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 huge amount of wind like kicks up and will actually push part of the, the sea aside such that it's, it's either completely um, dry or um, at least very shallow that one could walk across it, right? Um, but does that mean it's not a miracle, the fact that the... Hebrews so showed up to at happen. the exact moment <laughs> that this once in a hundred year type wind blows. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like you can't disprove a miracle simply by saying that God could use nature to make something happen. And in that in that History Channel thing, they were like, "Well, the reason that all the firstborn Egyptians died was because they, there was a certain disease of, like, the grain or something. And the yeah. firstborn always got a second portion, and so they got enough to actually kill them. But the, the rest of the children wouldn't have, yeah. wouldn't have received that much. Huh. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Pharaoh lived, and Pharaoh probably got plenty to eat. Yeah. You know? So it's like, there, there's something okay with the natural world being the impetus for God to work. I mean, that kind of makes sense as to how God works all the time. Um, he creates wine out of water. Now, he doesn't yeah. create out of nothing. He creates it out of water. Um, he heals with mud and spit, yeah. right? He doesn't just, boom, make it heal. He uses stuff all the time. So I, it's, it's this matter of like, well, let's try to disprove miracles by giving an explanation to it. But to me, when I look back, I'm like, like, I think it's even more miraculous that God uses natural things to, it, for, to do his miraculous things. It harkens back to the definition when you were talking about how miracles are used as signs, right? Like signs and wonders to convey a message, right? Like, I, I, can you talk a little bit about, like, how God kind of used these natural things, like the environment around people to communicate a message at Fatima? Like, what is, how is that, like, used in a sense? Fatima, so you mentioned Fatima, the, um, so the story of Fatima, um, it's another apparition of Mary, um, kind of like Lords that we talked about an hour ago now. Uh, so Fatima is a little, again, a little podunk town in Portugal that is now huge because of this, this apparition. Um, and so Mary appeared there to these three little kids back in 1917. So I, I, they were like seven or eight. Jacinta, Francisco, and Lucia. Um, and so it was May 13th when she first appeared to them and gave them a very, very simple message. Hey, repent, believe deeply in Jesus, pray the rosary, and do penance and fast. 
because right this was right after the World War One, um, and there was just death and destruction throughout the world. So it was a, really a message of like, hey, it's time to pray and turn back to God. And then Mary said that she would appear on the 13th of the month moving forward. So they show up back in, you know, at the same little place in June. Mary appears, says the same message. Um, same thing in July. And finally, like, she, she tells them to uh, tell other people that she's going to appear for them in October. Um, so she doesn't appear. I think it's like July and September or something. There's two months she took off. I guess she needed a little break. I don't know. <laughs> but... But so October is rolling around, and these little kids who no one really respects, right? Because they're they're children. They're yeah. seven, and no one like, oh, that's great. You had someone appear to you, like, great. But uh, all of these people wanted to, like, they they were the faithful people of the town, who were kind of moved by these children's story, who wanted to see this whatever Mary was going to do in October. And then there were all these skeptics and non-believers and journalists. Uh, so on October 13th, uh, it, it's about 100,000 or so people went out to this one field outside of Fatima and were witness to one of, it's really one of the biggest mass miracles, we'll say, um, in, in history. Because uh, again, most miracles happen individually, like one-on-one. Um, but this was something that actually hit 100,000. You can go online, you can look at pictures of what this miracle is. Um, but again, all these non-believers and skeptics showed up, and they have first-hand accounts. So you can go and read read the first-hand accounts of this miracle. And so what happened when they all got into the field that October 13th, a rain came and just like a deluge of water just flooded the place. Um, everything was soaking wet. After the rain came, the clouds opened and the sun came, came out. And then, you know... The, it was, it's called the miracle of the sun. The sun began to, to spin like a pinwheel. Wow. Right? Um, and then, this was the scary part for most people, the sun started getting larger and larger in the sky. Um, people thought like, it's shoot, coming. the sun is about to crash <laughs> yeah, into it's the earth. Yeah, it's um, coming closer. So the sun got bigger and bigger and bigger um, to the point where they eventually had to um, like cover their faces. And then the sun, after this this huge kind of growth um, just like that like came back to itself its normal self but one of the miracles was that the entire land everything like their clothes the ground all of that was dried instantaneously um, people who weren't even in the field that day right there's there's accounts again you go and read them oh, there are accounts of people miles and miles away who witnessed this weird thing happening with the son who didn't even know anything about uh, Mary's apparition and, and what was going on, who wrote like, hey, this day something crazy happened with the sun. It seemed to be moving and dancing around the sky. Um, so it, it's just one of those, yeah, one of those crazy miracles that was witnessed by the masses um, that... That today, you, so you asked me to, to explain it in terms of the sign of wonder. So, so there's a wonder to it, right? It's super inexplicable. But what was the point of it? What was the sign? Like, well, what is it pointing us to? Like, what was its purpose? Um, and I really, it was, it was to prove the kids, Jacinta, uh, Francisco, and, and Lucia, to just prove, like, hey, what they're saying is. Like, what they said that Mary told them to tell us 
like have have some faith in their words. And what were they telling us? They were simply telling us, turn back to Jesus, pray, pray for uh, especially the, those who are doing evil in the world, and do penance, right? Fast and do penance for them, yeah. right? It was a very simple message, but it was a message the world needed to hear at that point, and still needs to hear to this day. Um, but it was a, a grand miracle to point us to a simple message of conversion. And that's kind of what the stories in the Bible also do. Like, there's a lot of subtext. I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, what is the meaning of the creation narrative? And these big things that happen, they're signs, right? The sign of Moses parting the Red Sea was Israel returning to its homeland and that God would make good on a promise that he made 400 years ago. That is, I was going to say that. (laughs) I'll get out of your head. I'm sorry, Jay. Because I was like, in (laughs) Genesis, he promised... In Genesis, God promised Abraham that uh, Abraham's descendants, 400 years later, would suffer, um, and then their suffering would end. And that was God being faithful to his promise. But, like, Moses didn't know that because Moses wasn't alive when Abraham—it's not like they were besties and, like, Abraham's like, hey, Moses, this is what's (laughs) going to happen in the future. Like, here's your your little heads up. Like, so it it really is, and it, it speaks back to faith, too. Like— I think we talked about that like a little bit last week. Like it's, it's the faith and the trust and like seeing where it's like, okay, it makes sense, but like that is unexplainable. And we're going to dive into more about purpose right after this. And we're back for our final block of questions. This is, this has been such an interesting topic so far. I mean, we're, I know I'm learning a lot. I like I may be Catholic, but there's something new every single day about the saints and these amazing stories of miracles. Um, but for this for this block, I think we're going to go deeper on this. Right? We've defined what a miracle is. We've talked about some examples of miracles that people have perceived. We've even talked about like the scientific approach to verifying them. Right? Now let's talk about their purpose. Right from a spiritual perspective, what's the purpose of a miracle? Can they help us understand or deepen our faith or spiritual wellness? Or on the flip side, can they also be a source of jealousy or disappointment when they don't happen to us but happen to others? And then just to kind of th- throw another one in there is, I mean, all of us are Christians in this room, so thinking from God's perspective, right? Can we try to discern why God doesn't do Mm. a miracle in our lives? I'd say time and place for everything. You know, he may decide it's not the right time or it's not the right place, or maybe you're not at the right place or at the right time, Um, you know, for a miracle to happen. So that that could be a reason why he holds back. Um, But I do think that, you know, miracles in general are, are meant to aid people or strengthen their faith. So, uh, yeah, I'd say like that's generally generally the uh, the main stuff. But I, I do like what you said before uh, at breakfast that it was like um, uh, it was about pointing them to a message, essentially. Yeah, I think it's another thing to kind of revisit the definition aspect of it. Um, I, I heard this once from a friend of mine that said there's a difference between a miracle and a healing. A miracle is instantaneous, like it happens like in an instant, at the snap of a finger, flip of a dime, whatever metaphor you want to use. Uh, but a healing takes time. It's like a process, right? So when someone receives a healing, 
it may not be instantaneous. Now, every healing is considered a miracle, but not every miracle is a... Or wait, no, I have that flipped. Every miracle is a healing, but not every healing is a miracle. Um, And so, like, the purpose of that is sometimes, I think, like, God won't necessarily give it to us instantaneously, but he'll have us go through a process of healing over time. So kind of differently from Lords, right? Like some people experienced instantaneous healing by going to the pools at Lords. And God did that for them in that way. And sometimes people did not get healed automatically. Um, but maybe over time, maybe they had to go through a battle with cancer to produce in them something or for them to learn something. Like I think of, uh, Kiara Bedano, mm. one of my favorite stories of like someone going through a trial. Um, like she was a, a teenager. Um, she was like, what, 17 when she was diagnosed with bone cancer, I think. Yeah, I don't know the exact age, like, but yeah. As a she, was like, she was like a young girl and she was going through bone cancer, which is like really, really painful thing. And she ended up dying, right? But in that two years of her struggle, she was able to talk to the people who were in her hospital wing about Jesus, about God. And if she hadn't gone through that very serious trial and her story inspire them, then those people may not have ever been exposed to like the good news or the love of God. Um, So I, I kind of think like there is a purpose in something not being instantaneous. But there is like, there is that tension of reality where sometimes you're disappointed when something doesn't happen according to your plan. But like, we got to kind of sometimes remember that it's not, you know, the saying men plan, God laughs, right? Like our plan is not necessarily the one that's actually going on. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of think there's a purpose behind that disappointment also, though. Um, I think the purpose behind that disappointment is faith. Um, I like my whole thing and my motto is I can pray for something, but God can say no. Like, I think that we kind of get caught up in this thing of like, if we pray for it, we're going to get it because that's what the Bible says. But God can say, no, you're not ready. God can say not right now. God can say no, period. Um, because that is not his will. And he wants what's best for us. And I think like at, at the root of miracles is to protect us. I feel like a lot of miracles, like miracles of healing, I feel like protect you from the hurt of not being healed, right? Um, but I feel like it's to protect us. I feel like God closes doors for people in order to protect them. For me personally, or like for an example of like, okay, you you want to you want something really bad, but God doesn't think you're ready for it. God will not put you in that position to fail because that could be more detrimental to you than him saying no and helping you prepare for that in the future. So that disappointment is like, okay, I prayed for it. God said no, but God is working on me. God is working in me. God has a bigger purpose. God has a bigger will. And Mm -hmm. I think that miracles happening And for me, my definition of a miracle is just God acting, whether he's telling me yes and giving me what I want and what I'm praying for, or if he's telling me no, I'm not going to 
like my faith in him doesn't waver. Like my, when my grandfather was passing away, um, I prayed for God to save his life and he passed away. I didn't feel like I didn't praise God. I didn't feel like God did a disservice to me. God told me no. And for the purpose of now me and God's relationship is so much stronger than it was in 2019. Mm. Like I'm in a totally different place than I was in 2019 and him saying no grew my faith in him that my purpose is beyond uh, a relationship that I think that I need for comfort and finding comfort in him so a miracle happening or not leads us back to God thank you God for giving me what I want I'm continuing to trust you thank you God for not giving me what I want and protecting me from something I still trust you yeah, that's so interesting that you bring up like closing doors as also like a a form of a miracle yeah. in a sense. Like I, the same friend that told me the difference between a miracle is a miracle yeah. and healing, um, she has a, a hearing issue. Like she's deaf in one of her ears, and she's like she had a very charismatic background, so she's been at like healing events and like she's literally seen an arm grow in front of her like someone who had an injury where their arm was like messed up and it grow and she's seen like so many she even saw someone come back to life like she's seen so many things where she prays over someone and something happens and then she's had hundreds of people pray over her ear and it doesn't happen and she got bitter about it a little bit like she threw her quarterly tantrum with God, like every few months she'd be like, well, why isn't this happening? But she realized it was actually a sign for her to continue to trust God, even though that thing is not happening in that moment, because she can tell that story to other people that just because she's broken in a way by this illness, that she's still able to pray for other people and she's still able to be a uh, conduit of healing for other people, for God to work through her, even though she's broken, right? Even though she believes that she is broken because of that. Yeah. I kind of think about, I mean, just what you were talking about before. I mean, like, I I think about, like, those, I don't know, those videos on the internet of, you know, the, uh, the very... I don't know if I want to say like chauvinist, but like they, they, the very dramatic like preachers, uh, you know, you know, asking people to come up on stage to be healed, and then they do like the very dramatic, you know, like Laying be healed hands, in Jesus' yeah. name or something, and you know, something incredibly dramatic. And I'm just like, you know, I I do believe miracles can happen, but with stuff like that, it's like how much of that is genuinely real versus, you know, cleverly staged, mm. you know, people, you know, for maybe publicity or for people to try and, you know, in order to convert someone, you know, even if it's, or try, try to show that Christianity is the true message, even though, you know, like, what if they're using deception? Like how much of the, how much of that stuff is true? And also like, you know, I, there was a video of a guy, you know, getting baptized and you know i saw like he like he was like shaking and stuff and it, it was like it looked like he was having a seizure or something and part of me just thinks in my mind like is like i don't know if this is actually like i mean i kind of think like i this just seems like so dramatic i don't know if this is actually happening like you know and someone pointed out in the the comments i think like you know he thinks this might what this might be what's happening but you know like it's a very I don't know, 
he really seems to believe it. Like, I mean, sometimes people do, like, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves on people in different ways and they react differently. Um, sometimes people feel like that presence of God and it makes them shake and dance around and flop on the deck like a fish. Like, it's... The, sometimes that is just how people experience the presence of God in their finite beings. And yes, that's why we have the scientific, like discernment process of how to figure out what is a miracle and what is maybe staged or maybe even god forbid like a tool of deception right for some people but i think when it comes down to it like there's there's definitely reasoning and purpose behind a yes and a no what about you brian what's what's your thoughts on these uh these questions for sure um I don't know if you discussed it a few weeks ago in your suffering, but it uh, it's kind of like the problem of evil uh, that we're really honing in on. Because I mean, there's something evil about, let's use it, the, the extreme example, you know, the child dying of cancer, right? And that's, like, there's no reason in our human capacity, like, hey, this person should have a miracle. If anybody should have a miracle done for them, it's that child dying of cancer. They've done nothing wrong, you know. If God has the power to heal them, why why doesn't He? Right. That's. I think the the problem of evil, the challenge of evil, is is it's the best argument out there. I think to that that like an atheist would have. Um, I don't agree with their conclusions. Um, I'm not gonna can't really explore the whole question here. But just to the the idea of the the idea that like. Let's, let's stick with this child dying of cancer. Why doesn't this child get that miracle? It's not a lack of faith. Um, and I'll, just the example of from my own from my own life, like you know, when I was in ministry, I I have buried a number of of kids that have died that I've walked with, um, journeyed with on their spiritual journey while they were in the hospital, journeyed with their families, and you know, for years leading up to the death, for years flowing from it. And the, you know, it's always amazing that the child, the child usually has a deep and profound faith and love for God that gives me incredible, like, if we believe that this world was all there is, right, then God not granting that miracle of healing would be an evil thing. But knowing that there is a far greater world you know or mansion prepared for us for all eternity mm. and and joy and peace and happiness and love that flows from this life you know after this life um then it starts making sense um but i'll but the idea of this so so these children you know i've walked with the, they have a deep faith when they um as they you know die and I've seen the families flowing from that. Uh, it's a, it's almost a, a challenge to them or, or an opportunity for them to grow in their own love, in their own faith. Like I've seen families grow deeper in love. Um, families that become more grateful for the time they get to spend with each other. Um, I know one family who, who they lost their child from uh, a distracted driver hit their hit their kid when he was crossing the road at seven um and 
nothing. They, there was no miracle for the, for this kid, and they turned that love, that passion they have for him, and turn to um, to a whole ministry or outreach to help end distracted driving. They go to high schools and middle schools, and they talk to teenagers everywhere um, to to basically end distracted driving. And who knows how many other lives they have saved from their ministry, which wouldn't have happened, right? If if this Right. So, so if this kid's death was pure evil and there was nothing, no good flowing from it, right? Then, then yeah, a miracle should have been granted, but a miracle was held back, so that so much good could flow. Uh, yeah. And it's hard to to grasp that. Like it, it, like even even someone who's been like, I get it in a rational sense, but still in your heart, you're like, man, God, I wish, you know, I wish they were still here. But there was a reason for it, and, and there, there's good that flows from it. Um, but it's, it's challenging, for sure. Yeah, it's almost like, it's kind of like the butterfly effect. Like, if there's, if there's something that happens, whether it's a yes or a no of a, of a miracle, at one point in time, we don't really know what that one point in time, the timeline that it mm. inspires, right? Like, the decisions or the events that happen because of that one, like... What do they call it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? The Nexus Point or something like that? Like the I don't know. Doctor Strange probably has seen every Doctor single Strange one of them. Doctor Strange has seen all the 14 million outcomes, and but you know, like it's. Right. But that's a great example, though, yeah. right? He saw all the outcomes, and he had to do what in in that moment was perceived as as bad, right? He gave up the that one stone right when the infinity stones to Thanos and people were like why would you ever do that <laughs> like that's so dumb like, and the evil that flowed from that right half of the universe was killed yeah. for years so I do actually got a bit of a story if we have time okay yeah so just a little bit yeah so it's uh, this old this old Chinese story I'd say um yeah so one day um yeah, one day this farmer, you know, just going about his business and out of the mountains come a stampede of horses. They come, they come trample his crops, you know, at the tea house later that night, you know, his neighbors and, you know, friends are like, oh, that's really bad news. And he just says, you know, maybe, you know, good news, bad news, who can say? So then the next day, his son is able to wrangle up one of the horses, uh, goes to the tea house. His friends are like, that's good news, good news, bad news, who can say? So his son, his son is training the horse, and he ends up falling from the horse, and he breaks his leg. The, um, the farmer goes to the tea house. His neighbors and friends are like, you know, that's bad news, good news, bad news, who can say? Then the next day, the, uh, a general from the army comes, and he's, you know, going around, I guess, uh, you know, getting, you know, conscripted soldiers, you know, to fight, fight in the army. But his son is spared because of his broken leg and all this wouldn't have happened if the horses hadn't come you know come from the mountain but later that tea or later that night you know at the tea house you know the uh his neighbors and friends say to the farmer you know oh that's good news but you know the farmer just replies with good news bad news who can say you know like you know uh there's a show called Last Man on Earth, and they made a good point that, you know, like, we can't... It was it was something... I, I want to say it was maybe something like, you know, we can't predict, like, what the ultimate outcome of a lot of things will be, but our ultimate outcome, like, everything that, like, you know, most of us have in common is that we'll all die. Hmm. Well, on that note, 
We're going to take our last commercial break, and we'll be back for our final segment just to wrap up our conversation, do some social media engagement, and find a way to adequately summarize this very broad topic of miracles and unexplained events. We'll be right back after this. For our final segment, we're wrapping up our conversation on miracles. We've got some t-shirt takeaways. Uh, Brian, for as our guest, we have this thing called t-shirt takeaways, where basically we summarize what we're taking away from this conversation. If it was like a word, a sentence, or like a phrase, or like a handful of things, little, little nuggets, right? This is the time for nuggets. Mm. Um, if you could throw it on a t-shirt, what would it be? What are some things that we're taking away and Mark has been dutifully taking notes this entire time too so we'll we'll throw it to whoever wants to go first so this is just like a brief one sentence summary of like what was something that was really profound yeah. that you well, I, I appreciate so much of Jay sharing just the, the ways in which God has worked personally I know I shared a lot of more uh, kind of official miracles of the church but um, just that emphasis on the fact that miracles are working in in our individual lives constantly, and, and we've seen that. Um, so I guess my t-shirt takeaway would be that um, miracles are God's works in our life that deepen our, our belief. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I, I definitely think, like, signs and wonders, right? Miracles being used as signs and wonders. I liked... Yeah, why don't you just steal the catechism, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I personally, like, my t-shirt takeaway is, um, you know, when we were talking about, like, does the... Do the miracles on the scale of what happened in the Bible, like parting the Red Sea or, uh, you know, creation itself, is that still happening today? When we heard that story of, like... Of Fatima and Lords, like these are really large scale things. Yeah, they don't happen every day, but they do still happen, right? And I, I still think, like, you know, I, I love this phrase. I can't remember what verse it is in the Bible, but it's um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. Um, and so, like, using that process of discernment, of like knowing what God is doing in our lives, like how do we discern what is a miracle and then also appreciate it for what it is in the grand plan that God has for our lives. Proverbs 25, 2. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. We do also have some uh, other t-shirt takeaways on here. Um, the fact that we're still here is a miracle in and of itself, honestly. Um, miracles are instantaneous, but healings are gradual. God closes doors in order to protect people, Ooh. and we can't always foresee what good or bad consequences an action will have. Mm. Mm. I'm going to change it to, I might change it to whatever, yeah. Good we, news, yeah. bad news, who can say? Pretty right. much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't always foresee okay. what that good Chinese or bad guy can. That we, Chinese guy is back. <laughs> yeah. Um, our treasurer, Hannah, shared her experience a little bit. Oh, um, wait, what was our poll question, Jay, from the Instagram? Oh, okay. Well, oh, then share what Hannah okay. said. Um, so. Oh wait, no. This isn't our treasurer, Hannah. This is my friend Hannah from home. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, so our poll question was: Have you ever witnessed a miracle? And if so, what happened? Um, and so Hannah 
uh, shared that she experienced one when she was um, when on a smaller scale to her, um, and she explains it. She describes it as seems seemly seemingly insignificant um but she remembers it and she was young um so she was at giant um and she was sitting in the car while her mom was inside shopping um and she was listening to one of their favorite stories um from adventures in odyssey love that (laughs) love that radio show um and her mom was in the store um her mom comes out of the store um and tries to start the car and it wouldn't start the car died um and out of nowhere a random car pulls into the parking lot right in front of them um and a man gets out of the car and asks if they need help um he jump starts the car for them um and then he leaves he never goes into the store um and so the sum like she sum- summarizes it as uh it was so simple but it was like god was assuring us that he cared about us even in the smallest most uneventful ways um and that's deep that is deep um we have ash hello um who had an example of a miracle they've experienced was um finding a pair of earrings that had been lost for two years and they moved twice so something that seems like it's impossible you've moved twice so it could have got lost in moving twice and they've been missing for quite a while and finding that is like it is really meaningful um and then amani said amani said god saved me from some serious situations and i feel like that's also like what i was saying earlier like you want something sometimes and it might not be what's best for you um and god is like i will show you later why i said no but right now i'm saying no Mm. what are some t-shirt takeaways for you jay I mm, come back to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd say a good one maybe is that you know sometimes we just we can't we can't ultimately know God's plan, you know, because only he knows, you know, for sure, you know, everything that's going to happen. And whether that yes or no contributes to the overall plan. Mm. Right? And Time sometimes and sometimes it's going to be a no. But we have to trust like there is a measure of faith in trust and yes we're going to dive into trust later this semester um with one of our discussions we're going to just do a whole deep dive on what trust is but like there is a measure of faith in god's plan right he's the god of the universe he made everything and he knows what he's doing, right? It's not like he's just flying by instruments and is, like, figuring it out as he goes along. Like, <laughs> that, yeah, that, I don't think, I don't think he'd be a very good god if that was, that was the about, case. Let's talk about theistic evolution. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> That's the can of worms we were waiting for for the last seven minutes of the program. Wait, I got mine. Oh, okay, Jenny. Take it away. <laughs> really take it away. Me. What's your before really? we get Wait off a, the theistic like, evolution? Yeah, before we take an exit, <laughs> let's stay on the highway real quick. It's like let's change subject real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think my takeaway is like sometimes God's no is a bigger purpose than us, right? Like you were saying about the kid in the hospital. Hmm. Oh no, no, no! The kid who um, he was seven, right? And his family they lost him, but they used hmm. that 
to now go and educate new drivers to go and spread at that education and like that is the bigger purpose of like they went through something really really tragic and god didn't give them the miracle but a miracle that looked like a miracle that they wanted in that like that dream outcome but he gave them like the courage to go out and speak to a lot of different like driver's ed students or just new drivers to protect the future generations Mm -hmm. yeah what's 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 the guy's name from the 80s where his son went missing Uh, was it john walsh like the no, not John Walsh. Matt the, Walsh. The, the, the Matt no. Walsh. No, 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 wait, no, no. no. Matt Walsh. No, what's the what's the <laughs> name of the guy with the missing child's hotline? And he lost his son in a Sears, and it was like, oh. and he started this national campaign of awareness for missing children. Oh my goodness, I need to Google this. Do real you mean quick. with the milk curtains? No. That was um, a long time. Uh, I mean, this campaign is it's called Orange for Owen. Owen was the name of the kid who. Who died? So, like, orange was his favorite color. So, you can, if you look up Orange for Owen, you can find all kinds of resources in terms. Yeah, it's it's John Walsh. He's a a, like a his child was like killed, like like Mm. murdered, and he decided like to devote the rest of his life to raising awareness of missing children, abductions, and things like that. I mean, the same thing could be applied to. So many different things, like Lou Gehrig with ALS. Like that was a very high-profile thing in which a miracle did not happen. Right? He was a pretty decent person, and he was not healed in that way. But through his death, right, we're able to raise money for research and and know more about this rare disease that other people go through, and other people may be helped by that situation. Right? It's like you can think of examples all the live long day of like how something that the live long day is suffering right kind of to hearkening back to one of our earlier topics like suffering has a purpose miracles have a purpose and their opposites their yeah. vice versas have purpose as well yeah you don't remember the ice bucket challenge for ALS do you I do oh. I do I ne- I, I, I did I it once you were a wee little boy probably I did it once oh yeah I was I remember getting early in my college days we did it as like a a challenge for the honors college, oh, I yeah. think, it was something like that. I was, back in the back yeah. in the ye olden days of 2017. I was, I was teaching in the elementary school, and I let some of the kids dump ice water all over me. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't fun. Oh my! But yeah, I I mean, like, if we had to summarize our top, I mean, we talked about a lot today. We talked about different miracles. I I really loved that story of. Um, the Eucharistic Miracle of Lanciano. Mm. Lanciano. Um, but Beautiful that, Italian. <laughs> the hand gestures is what you got yeah. to do the... The hand gestures are great for radio. <laughs> the hand gestures. We, that's the t-shirt takeaway is Josh is doing sign language on the radio. <laughs> um, it's like that age-old insult when you want to like really insult someone's appearance and you say, you really have a face for radio. <laughs> it's just Bro. like... Well, that's what all my family told me when I was coming on here. Oh, my God. Is that not a compliment? <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> Jay's over here not disputing it though. Well, no, like that's that's so sad. <laughs> that's tragic. It's, like, it's sad but true. No, no, it's no. It's sad but true. Yeah. No. no. I'm just playing. 
Say three things nice about Say yourself. Say three nice things about yourself. That's our that's our, our thing is like oh gosh. But yeah, honestly it's been a it's been a great show. If if you know, any last thoughts? Any final thoughts on this topic? Anything that maybe we didn't cover? Maybe uh, any resources that we would want people to check out? Anything like that? I'd just say, you know, I guess one thing you can remember is that good can come from a bad scenario, but also good can good, good can come from a good scenario, too. Hmm. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. I think my last thoughts are like, just because I pray for a miracle and I pray for the miracle to look how I want it to, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I just have to accept that, like, it's a miracle that it didn't come true. Or it's a miracle that's coming later on. And it's like, you know, there's a purpose behind everything that God does in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I like the, you know, kind of at the, the start, we wanted to talk about, like, the scientific exploration yeah. to miracles and you can go online you're talking about online resources like you can actually go on and just look up the 67 certified miracles of lords l-o-u-r-d-e-s you know lords um and you can read actually all of the stories and why they were deemed like inexplicable certified absolute miracles no other explanation um if you want the the scientific uh, emphasis behind this this miracle discussion yeah awesome I mean, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, Brian, thank you so much for, for being with us yeah, today. Thank you for was, being here. I was yes, really looking so forward much. to this one. Also, I haven't seen you in a while. Well, so it's, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been good can to I, catch up. If anybody wants, can I give them my personal information if they want to? Not my personal information, but sure. like, you can always, uh, if you want to have this conversation more with me, I'm more than happy to, to talk through things. Um, my work website, it's lifeguidefa for financialadvisor.com. So you can find all our information there. If you want to reach out and chat more about you know a bunch of different topics yeah. i mean you've you're a font yeah, you'll find my email address there <laughs> don't we have a discord for these things and we do have a discord yeah you can feel free to join our roads discord we've got some upcoming events i mean we've yeah. got uh we have a discussion happening yeah. next week on wednesday night 7 p.m we're talking about meaning and purpose meaning and purpose that's mm. going to be really fun and then after that is spring break so we're not going to see you for a bit um and then we'll tell you about our uh, our schedule of events after spring break when we see you next week. Um, next week we're going to have a surprise topic, and uh, we'll be back uh, for both Saturdays of spring break, I believe. So, um, yeah, and uh, looking forward to seeing you next time. Again, Brian, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, huge, thank huge thanks to Tristan for having a great show before us, for Blame My Dad and Owen. Stick around uh, to listen to House Party. Uh, this is Roads on the Air kind of signing off. Uh, see and we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Roads on the Air, a discussion podcast live on 91.7 FM WIXQ The Ville. Radical, renowned, real college radio. It's been an honor having you along this journey, and we hope you'll tune in next week. You can also stream all these episodes by searching Roads on the Air on Spotify, Apple Music, or any streaming service if you missed it live. These conversations are designed to bring people closer together, create unity where there once was division, and we're grateful to all our listeners for being a part of that. Are you a student and want to get connected with Roads on campus? Our meeting times during the semesters are Wednesdays at the Hub at 7 p.m. We serve free food every week and alternate between roundtable discussions on topics just like these and fellowship nights where we can go bowling, have a board game night, make crafts, watch movies, and more. 
In addition to our weekly meetings, you can also connect with us online in a variety of ways, and our Linktree gives you access to it all. Just go to linktree.com slash roadsmu, and you will be able to find our Instagram at muroads. Join our Get Involved page, become a member of our Discord server, Roads at MU, or even find out more information about the other faith and spirituality organizations at Millersville. Want another way to support this endeavor? During each week, go to our Instagram and feel free to like and comment on the post of that week's episode. Share your thoughts, what stood out to you. Maybe ask a question or two and we might just read yours on air. Your community engagement means a lot to us and we can't do this without you. I'm Josh Marzak. I'm Mark Schell. And I'm Jane Andy. Tune in next week for the next exciting episode of Roads on the Air. air.